down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So um, I, I believe we've got enough evidence from the Scripture just in this little short passage that two are better than one. Amen? Uh, I heard it when I was coming along. It said two heads are better than one, even if one is a gourd head. Huh? Right, anyway, so um, nonetheless, I might have told my age a little bit right there. But in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, in fact, this I'm going to try in 20 minutes to cover four chapters of the book of Ruth. It's going to be a tough climb, but nonetheless, we find a situation here. And, and let me just say this, just in case I don't get to it. We're going to find that Ruth was one of the four women that was drawn into the lineage of Jesus Christ. The one was Tamar, a Canaanite woman. The, uh, another was uh, Ruth, a Moabite. Then Rahab, the Canaanite. And then Bathsheba. All three of these foreign women that according to uh, the custom of the day, they should have never been in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But what I want to tell you is God can take anybody from any race, any tribe, any color, any creed, and put them together. God can do it. Now, you may not agree with that, and it really doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that it's true, that, that God can do it. So the Bible tells us in, in Ruth chapter 1 that it was in the days that the judges ruled. And in the days that the judges ruled, the Bible, there's a time there where there was judges that ruled Israel before the kings, uh, before the monarchy started. And Israel eventually wanted a king. But in the days the judges ruled, the Bible says that men did what was right in their own eyes. You know, because they, they had no king. So everybody done what was, you know, what felt right to them. And so, but they were living in the, in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. The, the title Bethlehem, Judah literally means house of bread. There's a couple here that we're talking about, and the man's name is Elimelech. His name means God is king. He's married to a woman by the name of Naomi, and her name means pleasant or pleasant one. They had two boys, Melon and Kilion. And the Bible says that they dwelt in Bethlehem, Judah. But a famine happened in the land. Why did a famine happen in the land? The famine was a result of God's judgment upon them for going after other gods. And so when the famine came, there's no bread to eat in the house of bread. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's, it's a no bread in the house of bread. It seems like a paradox. How is it that there's supposed to be bread, but there is no bread? And so they decided to exit the boundaries that God had put them within. And some of us, like Elimelech and Naomi decide to leave outside the boundaries that God has drawn for us. Rather than stay and accept the punishment, rather than endure the hardship because of your own misguided deeds, they decided to sojourn, to travel into the land of Moab. The land of Moab was a land of pagans. They did not worship Yahweh, the living God. And while they went there in mind to stay for just a small time, just a temporary stay. It's not going to be long. Not unlike a gentleman that told me six or seven years ago, I'm going to take a job so-and-so place and I won't be gone but a month. I'm just going to make the big high dollars and I'll return, get myself out of debt. He still ain't got back. I just wanted you to know. <clears throat> 
Well, Elimelech and Naomi left the boundaries to sojourn in a, green, in a greener pasture. They went to a place that it seemed like there would be bread. So they got over there, and the Bible says they stayed for a while. And when they got there, Elimelech, whose name means God is my king, died in a pagan country. He died outside of the house of bread. So now you have Naomi with two boys, Melon and Kilion, and while they're there, they end up staying at least 10 years. And in that 10-year time, Melon and Kilion fell in love with Moabite women. That was against the law of God, according to Deuteronomy. You were not supposed to marry outside of your tribe, but nonetheless, they exposed themselves outside the boundaries of the house of bread, much like those who get out of the church and then wonder why their children go into the world. and all, all, Anyway, but um, so Melon and Chilion met two girls. One was Ruth and one was Orpah. And uh, so th they marry these girls. And time has gone by. And after 10 years and a short marriage, Melon and Chilion both died. So now we have Elimelech, the head of the house, God is my king, Melon and Kilion, and all three of the men have now died. That leaves Naomi and two daughter-in-laws in a pagan country outside the boundaries that God had designed for them. They're a long way from home and no man to look after them. Now, in that day, that was a very dangerous thing. Are you with me? Say amen. And there's no one to look after them. And so Naomi hears that there is now bread in the house of bread. She got news. I don't know if it was a tweet one morning or, or an Instagram post, but nonetheless, it said there's bread in the house of bread. And she said to her daughter-in-law, she says, look, Ruth and Orpah, I'm going back home. I want y'all to stay here because they said, oh, no, I don't want you to go. I, I, we'll go with you. And I mean, they, they said, we'll go with you. And they owe me. She said, y'all stay here, and, uh, you know, but they said, no, we want to go. And I really think Naomi's thinking like this. Why would I want to bring two Moabite women? Ain't nobody going to want to hang around Moabites in Bethlehem, Judah. They ain't nobody going to accept them, and they'll be a constant reminder of my decision and Elimelech's decision to walk out of the boundaries that God had established for me. And everybody will be reminded when they see them that Elimelech is dead, God is my king, and Melon and Chilion and all of them. And it'll be a constant reminder. So maybe she didn't really necessarily want them to come back. But nonetheless, you have kissers and cleavers. And Orpah said, goodbye. Naomi, I think I will stay here in Moab. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave. For as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will go with you. I'm going to go to the country that you go to. Your people will be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you live, there I shall live. And where you die, I shall die. And there also be buried. What, what an affirmation, she says. Uh, you know, and, um, but, but before that happens, she tells the girl, she says, listen, I'm, I'm old now. She's about 50 years old, and that's really debatable. I don't really think that's old anymore. But uh, nonetheless, she said, I, I, I'm not going to have no more kids. That's a foregone conclusion. And there ain't going to be no man in Bethlehem, Judah, going to want a Moabite girl. So y'all might as well go on back home. Y'all with me? But Ruth just won't have it. She says, no, I, I, she has bound herself. I'm going to tell you what's happening. God is working a plan that is bigger than Elimelech and Naomi. God is working a plan that is bigger than the Moabites and bigger than the Canaanites and bigger than Israel itself. 
And God's working this plan. And so Ruth comes back home, and she, she comes back home, and uh, they looked at her and said, uh, oh, my goodness, look at can, And then y'all know people, but don't look at them. You know people that, you know, they've lived 30 years, and they look like they live 70. I mean, they said, look at the pleasant one. Man, her name meant pleasant, but oh, my God. Kind of like me. I look in the mirror sometimes. I say, oh, my God, who is that? And what happened to Mike? Anyway, but anyway, so, um, so pleasant one comes back home, and she says, don't even call me Naomi anymore, but call me Mara because I'm bitter. Why? Because the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And he, it's not that God had, yes, God had punished her, but it was her own husband's decision to leave the boundaries that God had established for them. And when you go outside the boundaries God has established, be ready for the punishment. So, but, but I need you to know something. God has an overarching plan for your life. And I don't care what happened yesterday or yesteryear or even tomorrow. God can still work his plan if you don't panic. So they get back home, and they're, they're, at, they're at home now, and there's bread and a house of bread, so at least they get to eat. But, but I mean, it's not overflowing, and, and this is a woman, and there's no man of the house. And so, so somebody's got to go to work. That, that's a good lesson we ought to be able to say today to some folks. Some of y'all got to go to work. So anyway, Ruth, the young, pretty Moabite girl, says, I'm going to go glean. Now, according to Leviticus 19 and Leviticus 23, or 13 and uh, 23, you could not cr gather your crops all the way to the ground. You couldn't get every stalk of corn. You couldn't grab everything. You were to leave some for the poor. And you could not, if you had a rectangular field, you could not gather the corners. The corners had to be left for the stranger and the foreigner or, or the immigrant, if you will. The, that's, that's how it is. That, that's God's means and methods of taking care of people. So, but, and you could not take everything out of the field. You had to leave a little bit for poor people. So, um, but it just so happened. How many of you know it don't just so happen in God's plan? So anyway, this, this young Moabite girl, she goes out today. Now, I want you to picture this because she's going out into Bethlehem, Judah. She's a foreigner. And, and matter of fact, when they even spoke to Naomi and said, is that Naomi? If you'll notice, they didn't even say nothing to the foreign girl. Nothing. Not a word. But she goes out now to gather, to glean. And she just happened to glean in the field of Boaz. And so while she's gleaning, Boaz just happens to come check on that field today, one of his fields. And when he gets there, he greets them in the name of the Lord. I think that's pretty neat. He greets his workers in the name of the Lord. And then he says, who is this, this young girl? And, and he says, not only who is it, but who does she belong to? He's a respectful. It shows that he was a man of integrity. Who is this girl? And um, so they said, well, this is, this is Ruth. She came back with Naomi from Moab. And she's been here all day. Matter of fact, she's from sun up. She only took a small break and sat in the shade for a little while. I, I got to hurry this story along. So anyway, long story short, he tells his guys, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I want y'all to leave some handfuls on purpose. Not just a little bit of grain, but just, dump a, just drop a bag every now and then. He said, by the way, when she gets thirsty, I don't want her to have to go all the way to the well. You let her drink out of my water over here. And when it comes time to eat lunch today, I want her to eat with us over here. This is a foreign girl. But God has a way of working this, don't you know? 
God has a way of working this. So she gets home that night, and, she, and she's got all this food because he sent her home with a pile of food. And I mean, I mean, it was a lot of food. And Naomi said, my goodness gracious, where did you go today? She said, well, I landed in this field of somebody named Boaz. She said, and this guy treated me so good. He gave me all kind of food. And he let me eat with them and drink from their water and all this stuff. And she said, I'll tell you what, you don't go nowhere else. You go back to his field again tomorrow, and you keep working in his field. You keep hanging out with them people because that man is kin to us. He is kin to Elimelech. You know, Elimelech. Dead and gone. But there was a law. It was called the law of the kinsman redeemer. In other words, he had the right to buy back Naomi's land, which would include any descendants, which would include the Moabite Ruth, to raise up children to Malon, her dead husband. Are y'all with me? I got hurried. So anyway, long story short, she goes back and she goes back and she you know, gleans and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, um, Naomi tells her something. Okay, they've gathered all this harvest. And, and tonight I've heard that Boaz is supposed to be down at the threshing floor. And, and animals would come and eat the grain or people would come and steal the grain. And so different men would take turns to guard and they would sleep at the threshing floor. She said, tonight is Boaz's night. So I want you to dress up with your best dress. Now this is in chapter 3. I don't have time to read it verbatim, so just hear me. I've done read it about five times this week. So anyway, but just put on your best dress. Get on some perfume. I mean, just really deck yourself out, amen? And, and said, he's going to be down there. I want you to go down there. So she goes down there, and, and her mother-in-law said, he'll probably be sleeping. And when he gets down there, she said, I want you to just uncover his feet. Now, in those days, a, a master might be down here, and a slave or a servant could come and take the cover off their feet and sort of cover up down at the foot of the bed. Y'all with me? Or, or on the floor, it wasn't a bed. Now, that had some meaning behind it, but nonetheless, so she slips down into the threshing floor, and there he is asleep, and she eases over there, and she lifts that cover up and pulls that cover over her and falls asleep, and lo and behold, something shatters, or, or you know, his mind, he, something stirs him in the middle of the night. I don't know if it's a dream or if he thought he heard something coming, and he woke up, and there's this beautiful, brothers, how many times have you been hoping you can wake up and some beautiful young girl is at the foot of your bed? Be honest now. That's what I thought. So anyway, he wakes up and says, oh, oh, my God. He says, what in the world? What are you doing here? And she, you know, he recognizes her from, uh, well, I don't know if he recognizes her because I don't know if they had a light on or what. But she tells him, maybe he catches her voice. And, 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 and the bottom line is the, inc or, or the insinuation of spreading the cover over her uh, symbolically is saying, I want you to take me under your wing. There's a lot involved in that. And, but he said to her, now he does have romantic feelings. All scholars believe that he wants to be a man of integrity. Nothing they say, scholars report anyway, and I wasn't there, but anything happened this night except the fact that they are sort of attuned to each other. And he, he really loves her, or, or he has a deep infatuation with her. He said, but there is a kinsman of yours closer than I. And I've got to make sure that he don't want to buy Naomi's property, which is actually Elimelech's property, and Malon and Kilion. He said, i got to check with him. He said, so uh, she got up, and, he, and she, she said, i got to get out. Or he said, you need to go before daylight, before anybody can recognize that you was here. And so she gets back home. Naomi says, Ruth, 
I'm going to tell you something. This thing is stirring in Boaz's heart so bad, he's going to handle it today. Mark my words, he's going to handle this today. And so sure as the sun come up, Boaz got dressed and he went to the, the gate of the town. That's where all business was transacted at the town square right at the gate. And he met the man who was the closest kinsman redeemer, the one who had the right to buy the property that she had lost because of the death of her husband. And he says to him, sir, you have the first right to redeem Naomi and the Moabite girl that she brought back because Elimelech, Melon, and Kilion is dead. You have the first right to that property. Will you redeem them? He said, because you're in line, but I'm in line next. And if you won't do it, I will. He wanted the property, but when he found out that the Moabite came along with it, the young girl, he wasn't all about the foreign girl. He said, well, that might mess up my inheritance, so you go ahead and buy it back. So he took off his sandal, and that was the, the sign of the transaction. Then they exchanged that, and he said, be it known today, and he had 10 elders of the city right there. He said, be it known today, I have purchased all of Elimelech's property. I have purchased all of Melon and Kilion, including the Moabite girl that has come back to town. Now, what has that got to do with anything? Well, I want to take you over to chapter uh, number 4. And in chapter number 4, uh, verse 1, you're going to find, or I say 4 and 1, it's somewhere in chapter 4, you're going to find that Boaz married Ruth. And the Bible says he went in and made love to her. And she bore a son. Are you with me? Say amen. And God put her in the lineage, God put her in the lineage of the Messiah. So let me, let me just show this to you, that God has a plan. Why is it important for you to know that God has a plan? Because uh, you, can, you need to be encouraged when things don't look like it's working out. I want you to picture this for this Moabite girl. She marries a guy, and then he dies. Huh? She marries not only a guy from Moab, but she married uh, um, an Israelite guy. She marries a guy from a foreign country, and then he dies. Not only does he die, his daddy's already dead, and then his brother dies. So it looks like things have gone crazy. Her mother-in-law decides to go home. She decides to go with her. So here she is, a stranger in a foreign land. So you need to know that God has a plan, and God's working his plan, and it doesn't really matter what you think or how you feel about it right now. If you'll be faithful to God, God can help you find that Boaz or that Ruth, even in that you, it's a crazy situation. Pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know how my daddy feels about him, and I don't care. I know I have a God that knows how to put people together. Uh, I, I, I know how God can work things. I got a good friend of mine, pastors in Cobbtown, Georgia. His son went on a mission trip to Cape Town, South Africa. Met this beautiful African girl. The only problem is they got a different color skin than we got. Y'all with me? Say amen. His son fell in love with this girl and she fell in love with him. And they said this was a number of years ago. And how's this going to look in the church and all of that? And they struggled with it and struggled with it. But nonetheless, God put them together. They've got wonderful children. They're in ministry today right in Statesboro, Georgia. Amen. From Cobbtown to Cape Town. Wow, so, you, so what is it I want you to do? I want you to trust 
the plan of God that he's working in your life. He's working on things, so don't try to do your own thing. Mm. Rather be faithful to him because he knows what he's doing. He's the master strategist. He can put it together. Lord, have mercy. I want to read to you. Let me just read to you real quick. Over in Matthew chapter number 1, Matthew's the first of, actually he didn't write first, Mark did, but it it comes chronologically first in the Bible. So so in Matthew chapter 1, we see the genealogy of Jesus. And I just want to read the first part of it. Now, look at this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah. That's important. And his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Tamar was a Canaanite girl. God brought her in from the outside. How did he do that? Well, I don't have time to tell you, but Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. Watch this. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, a harlot, Canaanite harlot that ran a house of ill repute that Joshua went to tear down the walls of Jericho and this ill this harlot hid them in the flax stalks and God showed favor to a woman of the night from a different country and brought her in not just in but into the line of the Messiah so we have Tamar and then we have Rahab and he said watch this Simon was the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, which is short for Obadiah. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So I told you he made love to his wife, and they had a boy and named him Obed. Uh, Watch this. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David, and King David was the father of Solomon. And Solomon, you see, King David had had an affair and it's bad, but with a girl named Bathsheba, are you with me? And Bathsheba was the mother of Solomon. Is anybody with me? Say amen. I'm showing you again and again and again that God can take people from different walks of life and different tribes and different colors and different places and put them together to bring about. I mean, they looked at Jesus and said, you ain't no king, you was born in a manger. You come from Galilee, and that's not even the right side of the tracks. What good thing can come out of there? Don't you underestimate my Jesus, because God has a plan. And his plan says that two are better than one. And he can take two. It doesn't matter where they are from. He can take them. Bring them together. You better stand with me. I'll run right on over into the next service. Father, we love you today thank you because two are better than one I ask you oh God to touch us if you're here right now and your spouse is in the building I want you to just put your arm around them if you will and there's been hard times there's been hardships bad days good days and all that stuff I want to tell you something two are better than one we've not always Kelly and I've not always agreed on everything But two are better than one. It is without a doubt that when I was born, that that God had already, almost a year earlier, had a girl born on January the 22nd of 1966. 
And when she was born, he said, well, something else got to get stirring. So John and Ruth Sainz got together on November 23rd of 1966. I come along. And then, lo and behold, in the fifth grade, she fell in my lap and looked up, and it's been history since then. Amen. Well, that's my story. I'm sticking to that, but I'm telling you, God has a way. I mean, we hated each other. She hated me. I, I thought she was kind of cute, but I was immature and all that good stuff, and uh, I don't think much has changed. So, but we got together sometime later, high school sweethearts, went on to get married 28 days after high school. And this year will be 34 years. Woo! 34 years in the war. And I keep re-enlisting. And I'm going to keep on re-enlisting. And if she decides to leave, I'm going to pack up and go with her. Are you with me? He who hath found a wife hath found a good thing and has favor of the Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand of praise and our host is coming.